Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, look at somebody next to you say, the life of God dwells in me. And the life of God dwells in you. Therefore, you have victory under every circumstance, uh, every situation, every place. And your victory releases a fragrance of the knowledge of God everywhere you go. Praise the Lord. You can be seated. I want to remind you of just a couple of things. I want to encourage you uh, to stay in prayer and prayer. pray for uh, Betsy Knack and uh, their family. Uh, Brother Art went home to be with the Lord on Friday. And uh, so uh, be praying for them. Um, glory to God. We know that he's in heaven. But, uh, and uh, I've talked to Betsy a couple of times. She's probably watching. And hi, Betsy. And so just be lifting them up in prayer. Uh, as they navigate through this time, and uh, praise the Lord, just be lifting them up. Also, uh, I want to just remind you on some things, uh, uh, Life Ablaze, that small group that we'll be starting, uh, it is actually part one. If you've gone through that book, it's a thick book. Ten things uh, that stir you up and get your life on fire again for God. And so there's a couple of guys that I've been meeting with individually. We've gone through that book. It's, it's an incredible uh, book to get you stirred back up. And so we're going to go through that. But this will be part one in the spring, part two in the fall, right? So we don't end up with a 12-week class. So if, you, if you're looking at that, you look at that book and you're like, oh, my goodness. Uh, we're going to split it into two parts. And so this spring we're going to go through the first half of the book. And then in the fall, we'll just give you time to digest it all. And in the fall, we'll come back and uh, finish up the book. And so I want to remind you of that. And uh, anything else that I need to remind anybody of? I'm going to the announcements and all that. Well, we're uh, blessed today to have Brother John Grunewald with us. And uh, I've known John and Michelle for about 40 years now. And um, uh, they've, they started out, uh, well, they went to Rainbow Bible uh, Training Center. And they started a, a church in Indiana, right? And then they... Uh, Launched out into Germany, started a Bible school, then started Rama Bible Training Center uh, there in Germany, and since then, have uh, Rama campuses have expanded, and uh, John is over uh, Europe, Middle East, Africa. I'm not missing anything right there, huh? And uh, uh, they just planted a, a Rama in Latvia, totally paid for. Uh, that's awesome. Praise the Lord. And if you don't know it, uh, you all, we've helped them translate uh, a book or two. And uh, the, I think it might have been the last time you were here, which was a long time ago. We uh, taped some classes for them. Technology has gone really uh, far, but we did two classes here. Some of you might have been a part of those classes. And so we've known them. Uh, they were some of the first missionaries that we began to support many, many years ago as they started in Germany. And so a long-time relationship, it's, uh, their ministry has just continued to grow what God has for them in the world. And so we're just glad that you're back uh, and uh, able to minister. He'll be, uh, I know we've said Sunday morning, Sunday night. Um, I don't know how I got my wires crossed. I thought he was coming through and on his way to somewhere else, but he's with us all day. So he'll be with us again tonight in tonight's service and so, I won't take up any more time. Open up your hearts, put your hands together, give a warm Glenwood Springs welcome to John Grunewald as he comes to minister to us. Thank you. Thanks. Bless you. Uh, good morning. It's good to be back here. I uh, was thinking while 
we were in worship, it felt like I was home again. That's it, I don't say that everywhere, and it just felt great to be here, and I thought, this feels really natural, especially on National Jonathan Day. That was just... <clears throat> I think those were the most enjoyable announcements I've heard in a long time. Get the two Johns together. Uh, I didn't know John P. before last year, and he was part of our Kilimanjaro trip, and he was an encourager the entire time. He was the only voice that I could still hear at about 18,000 feet, because I couldn't talk anymore. I could just barely walk, and he's still up there encouraging people along the way to do it, and uh, at, I think when he, the next day he said, did I talk too much? I said, no, you, you encouraged everybody. It was good to hear your voice all the way up there like that. So he was a lot of fun on the trip. He was the only one that had enough energy to take one of the porter's big, huge uh, duffels. And, and he said, hey, I want to see what that's like to carry one of those. So he carried that part of the way one day toward before we were going to camp for the night. And even the guides thought he was hilarious. They had never seen anybody do that before, uh, but he was, uh, he was friendly with everybody, and he became all the guide's friends uh, immediately. So he's a great guy, and I'm, I'm sure you, you probably all know him better than I do, but it was, he was good to have, have on that trip. You have a lot of good quality people here. I met uh, Deidre yesterday for coffee on the way in and just caught up with her a little bit. You know, she's... She's good. It's a great investment you've had in her, and that'll pay dividends for a long time. People like Tony Haskell, and uh, you're touching the world with a lot of people right from here, uh, among some other things. Michelle said to tell everybody hi. She is uh, meeting up with me later this week in Boise, and uh, then she'll be with me part of this trip and then fly back. And uh, Gabby, who some of you know also, uh, she was here for a while with you. She said, make sure you tell everybody hi. So she's doing great. They, her and Chris are in Seminole, Texas, and it looks completely different than here. <laughs> South of Lubbock, a little ways, they're just 30 miles east of Hobbs, New Mexico, and about all there is out there is cotton and oil and gas. It's flat as can be, and the big dust storms come up out there, and she loves the mountains, and look where God put her. That's God's sense of humor. So... Anyhow, all good. So glad to be here. Let's, uh, I just want to thank the Lord one more time before we get into his word this morning. Lord, we thank you today, and I thank you for this church, the, the reach that they have, the light that they are to this area. Thank you, Lord, for the blessing that they are to so many that they don't even know that they've been a blessing to. And let that continue in even a greater measure as the days continue on before the Lord Jesus returns. Lord, I thank you for, for your word today. And as always, you know, we yield ourselves to you to say and do whatever it is that you would like to do in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, this has nothing to do with my message, but it, was, it came up when maybe Pastor Mark said something or we were singing the last song, I don't remember which, but um, you know Douglas Mitchell, right? You know him, he pastors in New York. He had a, you know, a thing with his brain some years ago, and it was serious, and uh, you know, he, he got operated on and kind of slowly came back, but he, had, he didn't get all the vision back in his eyes. You know, his peripheral vision was gone. And that was, so he, uh, he'd been standing on that for eight years, 
And so here's the reason I'm saying that. If, if, if there's somebody's here that you've been standing for something for a long time and you just haven't seen it come to pass, he was just in a service recently uh, that somebody else was doing and just all of a sudden felt it come on him. It's like an anointing came on him and he got his peripheral vision back. Eight years. He stood on the word, didn't give up. When do we give up? Never, right? We never quit because we always win. And I, so I just want to encourage you with that today. If there's something that you've been believing for, standing on the word about, don't give up. I don't care if it's been eight years or 18. You know, it seems like something should change. And why does it always take so long? I don't know. If I knew the answer to that, that'd be a whole different ministry. I don't know the answer to everything, but I do know that you, we don't give up on his word. If there's adjustments to make along the way, he'll let us know, right? He'll let us know. He's good about that. But I just wanted to encourage you with that, that, uh, you know, God's still there. The word is true. And just keep believing and you'll see it come to pass. Amen. So this morning I want to talk uh, about extending your reach with your voice. And I think this will be more of a reminder message to most of you. You're a well-taught church, so not like I need to teach anything new. I probably don't know anything new anyhow. Um, but extending your reach in a day when go into all the world has been a little bit stifled uh, physically, there are still a lot of ways that we can go into the world. And one of the ways is with our voice. And so that's what I want to talk about. And you might remember a good example of this is the centurion in Matthew 8. Uh, he came to Jesus and he said that my servant is lying at home, paralyzed and, uh, what's the word, in some dreadfully tormented. That's horrible, isn't it? And Jesus automatically said, well, I'll come and heal him. And he says, no, he goes, I'm not even worthy that you come under my roof. He said, just speak the word and he'll be healed. And, and Jesus said he marveled at it. Because he, he, he said, this is great faith. And you have to admit, that was a pretty awesome thing, that the centurion understood that. He said, I am a man under authority. I understand how this works. So he said, if you'll just send your word, he said, my servant will be healed. So we're just going to talk about, you know, reminding again about how important our words are and how you can extend that, your words out, to other people, things, and what a difference it can make. Um, you know, maybe you have a child, or maybe you have a parent, or a sibling, who isn't walking with the Lord. Well, what do you do? Sometimes they don't really want to hear from you anymore. They don't want to hear about God and what He's doing. But you know what? They can never stop is your voice reaching in, uh, to God to influence their life. We have that. It's, it's incredible that we can do that. Sometimes I think we forget what the, the dynamics of prayer really are. God's Word working in and through us to get out to the body and to the world to effect a change. It's an, it's an amazing thing that He has given to us. So whoever it is, you can extend your reach and your influence that way into many other people's lives. I do have to say, Alan, I didn't, how did you know about that coffee can in my backyard? I might have to dig that up and do something else with that. That scared me a little this morning. Yeah. So there's lots of ways to extend our reach. 
And, you know, we have probably all used online a lot more the last 12 to 15 months than we ever had before. Now, we've always had kind of remote teams, so we've been using Zoom for as long as Zoom has been around, but we certainly used it more. Instead of Zooming around the world on airplanes this last year, I sat in a chair and Zoomed. I have to tell you, that wasn't all bad for me. After almost 30 years of being on airplanes, and probably the last eight to 10 years, I probably fly about 150,000 miles a year. I've, I've averaged 20 countries a year, and many of them multiple times the last five or six years. That's a lot of traveling. And all of a sudden they said, John, you can't fly anywhere. I was like, oh, <laughs> gee. I'll see what, if I can live with that for a little while. Now it's, the, uh, the, it's the overnight flights that I don't miss, you know, this last year. But anyhow, it's, uh, so where we, where we couldn't go physically, we still could go. You know, with, with our picture and our voice, we could still go anywhere in the world. You know, that's something that Jesus didn't have. We have some tools today that he didn't have. Now, he certainly knew how to use the tools he had probably better than we do, but we have some tools that, that we can use to extend our reach out into the world. I was talking to a, a pastor the other day. He's, uh, um, I think he's Pakistani, but he's lived in the States since he was a teenager. His parents had gotten saved through a missionary in Pakistan and had immigrated to the U.S. many years ago. And he said, I pastor a smaller church of about 100 people in North Carolina and he goes, we just went online when all this happened last year uh, just to reach our 100 people. And he said, all of a sudden, he says, every time I minister online, I have 10,000 Pakistanis watching me. He said there are kids in their, in their bedrooms hiding from their parents watching on their phones. Just think what we've been able to do. He can, he's extending his reach with his voice from a little church in North Carolina and 10,000 people watch online. So there's lots of ways we can extend our reach, and Pastor Mark mentioned it, but whether you know it or not, in, in your partnership with us, every month you touch 18,000 Rhema Bible Training College students around the world and the 7,000 people that work to keep that going. We did a survey just last year because we were talking and said, you know, how many people do we actually have making this work? So we emailed out to everybody and had filled out a questionnaire and got it back in and we had right around 7,000 people. Some of those are paid, mostly volunteer people that keep that going around the world and we work with all of them too every month. So there's a lot of impact that you're having that you don't always know about. Those are good things. That's a great investment. You have some of the people that I mentioned, like Deidre and Tony. Now, Deidre's young, and you've invested a lot in her life, and she's going to extend your reach for a long time. That's a good thing. Uh, Pastor Mark mentioned books. We have a project called the, the Greater Europe Book Project, which is 25 of Brother Hagen's books in all the language zones of Europe. Well, we keep adding. I thought we were halfway done, and then we keep adding languages that we find. We just, a few years ago, we added on, we just, at least on paper, we said, okay, we need to add on Azerbaijan, Armenia, and the Republic of Georgia, because Asia didn't really want them. 
So I said, we'll take them, but if we do that, every country that we add, we, we have to do the books for. And so we're at about 34 countries, I think, or 34 language zones, 25 books. I think that's about 850 books then, right? The same 25 all those different times. But we've done a lot of books the last couple of years. And next week, the, the first one in Armenian will go to print. And those, those books cost money. They, they, take, they take time to do. But they're worth it because those books extend your reach into places that you and I don't go, into people's homes and into their hearts. They change lives. So that's a project that we, we would like to see finished by 2030. It'll be just our luck. Jesus will return right about the time we finish it, right? <clears throat> Whatever. So you guys have been a part of that too. And uh, we added Greenlandic this year too. We thought we could do Danish there, but the, the Greenlandic people want their own books in their own language. So we'll do that too. Anyhow, it's a great investment. The videos you did, we are in the process of still dubbing some of those for some of the languages in the places that we have not gone yet because they form a, a, it's something that people can watch and get an idea about who we are. So those videos are extending your reach still. So that's, those are all good investments. And, uh, but today I just want to talk mostly about extending our reach with our voice. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Matthew chapter 16. <clears throat> I don't know about you, but the longer I've been a Christian, the more I love his word, the more I see. And then I look back and I think, how did I never see that years ago? I mean, it's staring you in the face and you're just going, is it always going to be that way? And I, the answer would be yes, right? <clears throat> so I'm just going to mention something here. And uh, that you have the 18th verse up there, and I'll get to that. The, um, from about verse 13 to 19, you know, the disciples are walking along with Jesus, and he, like the great teacher that he is, he asks questions. And he says, who do men say that I, the son of man, am? And the son said, you're Jeremiah or John the Baptist or one of the prophets. And he didn't say, well, that's not right. You're wrong. He just asked another question. He got, he got the information that people out there were saying. He wanted information. Then he asked a question that we would call more of a transformational question. And he said, who do you say that I am? These are the guys that were walking with him. Had they, had they done the math? Because he wasn't, you know, waving the banner, I'm the Christ, I'm the Christ. You know, he wanted to see if they could figure this out. So he said, who do you say that I am? And Peter speaks up and he said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And he said, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father in heaven, right? It was a revelation. There's some things that people can tell you. There's other things you got to get by revelation. And that's from spending time with him. So then they get to verse 18. There were, it, it left me. And he says, And I say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. So when Jesus was revealed as the Christ, he then declared what he was going to do for the next 2,000 years. That's a pretty good long-term plan. And he has never changed his mind on what he's doing. So his reveal, he declared. So what did he do? He extended his reach into the future with his voice. And he said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. When he said that, he saw you. Because he was going to build you. 
So just think about that. You can extend your reach into your future and into the future of others. If you've ever had, if you've ever had kids, you know you better be praying for them. And, and what are you doing sometimes? From the time they're little, you're praying about who they're going to marry. What are you doing? You're extending your voice into the future to reach into somebody else's life. I think that, and this is personal opinion, don't know if I've said it here before, but uh, I believe that when Jesus said, I will build my church, that this is really the greatest commission that he gave the, us, is to build the church Going to all the world is the first step of that, right? Everything fits under the umbrella of I will build my church. Not everything fits under the umbrella of going to all the world. We've always called that the Great Commission. And it is a Great Commission, but I think the greatest commission is I will build my church. Because I think it fits better with everything else. Everything else falls under that today. It's why you and I are alive and breathing, is to build the church here on the earth. So... A lot of ways to extend our reach. I would say this, just if we look back at last year, if 2020 taught us anything, is that we cannot completely control our circumstances. We thought we could. We found out we couldn't. That can be unsettling at times. But 2020 was also a reminder of how ridiculously in control of our own behavior we are. Our thoughts, our attitudes, our voices. Did anybody have any complaining they did last year? guilty a few times. This is something interesting about that, and this has to do with our voice. Um, about nine years ago, I did a trip to Kilimanjaro because I wanted to take our boys. And we, we had 12 of us on that trip, and it was a good trip. There was five Americans and seven Germans. Um, we, one of them was, our, was a student at the time, but he came, and we had a, it was a great trip. We enjoyed it. And after we got up to the summit and we were coming down, we took a different route that time. We were coming down from the summit and you'd think on the way down you, could, you would start to have some breath. Well, you know, I was 55 on that trip and I still didn't have any breath on the way down. And, you know, you're trying to go through some of that scree and make up some time and all of a sudden you stop and your legs are burning because there's no oxygen and you can't breathe and you think, I might die. <clears throat> And so one of the, you can't do Kilimanjaro without guides and porters. That's part of the deal. That's the, it provides work for them. And you're glad about it. So when, on one of those times when I finally caught my breath again, one of the guides was there and I said, um, you get tired of waiting on all of us Westerners? And he said, no. He goes, we were exactly the same as you when we started. You know, and these guys have done 25, 50, 100 of these trips up there, you know, by now. And... Uh, I said, were you, were you evaluating us all the way up? He goes, yep, but we knew your group would, that everybody would make it by the second day. I said, how'd you know that? He because because nobody complains. I thought, huh, there's an interesting observation. So then when we did it the second time, the reason I did it the second time is because, you know, Gabby was too young to go the first time, and I, I told her at the time, I said, if you ever want to go, just let me know and I'll do it. Well, I got snared by the words of my mouth on that one. And uh, so a couple of years ago, she goes, Dad, I'd like, to, I, I'd like to do Kilimanjaro. And I was like, okay. That's a lot of work. And I arranged the trip and we ended up having 21 people go on that trip. 
so there was a lot of extra work in there, but um, we, we had a different whole, whole set of guides and, and we took a whole different route and it was actually easier this time. I trained a little different, which helped, but the route we took was different. The, guys, the guides knew how to do it better with us. Well, on the bus then, when we were heading back to the hotel after the whole trip was over, I was talking to the main guide. His name was Emmanuel. And the, the, the second guide's name was, and I'm not kidding you, um, like God is, it, 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 uh, what did he call him? I just lost it. I'll, um, anyhow, it doesn't matter. But um, all, good, all good Christian guys. And so we were sitting in the bus on the way back, and I said, so, Emmanuel, how was this trip for you? He goes, it was the best trip I've ever done. And he said, I've done 100 of these. And I said, why? He goes, and he said this, he goes, because you didn't have one complainer in your group. He goes, I've had people fighting. He said, and then I get in the middle of it, and they fight me. He said, he said we had no drama and no complaining uh, from 21 people. He said, I've never had that before. So it, again, you know, there was something they noticed. They must hear a lot of complaining. Well, last year was an easy year to complain. There were all sorts of things going on, and you had to always watch your mouth, you know, whether it was about just restrictions or government or whatever. Uh, we, had, we had to watch our mouth. So, um, but we are still ridiculously in control of our own behavior. Nobody can, can make you talk or think a certain way. That's our choice, isn't it? Um, last year, February is always a very busy month for Michelle and I. You know, it's the last, uh, I don't know, six, eight years. Probably February we were in the States a little more than we had been before. We were back for Winter Bible for obvious reasons in Tulsa. And then um, we just had things on either end of that. And I speak a lot in February, more probably than any other month. And then we have our, our international directors meeting. We always hold that in Tulsa right after Winter Bible. And I told Michelle the year before, I said, next year, we are not flying straight back to Europe. We're going to go somewhere for a week or something because you get back there and you're kind of whooped. And uh, so we decided we'd, just, we'd go to Sedona, Arizona because it was one place we'd never been before. Well, then my, uh, we did a short training with a bunch of the youth workers at Rama right after the director's meeting. And then I got a call from my brother-in-law that my oldest sister was uh, probably going to die. So I flew to, right straight to Boise, got back into Tulsa after the funeral at 2 o'clock in the morning, and Michelle and I left the next day at noon to go to Arizona. So we're driving to Arizona, and uh, quietly, I mean, I was still just, I was just, the drive was peaceful and quiet. Michelle usually reads when, when she's in the car anyhow. So we're just riding along, and I said, Michelle, I got a weird feeling about this leaving, about this trip. I said, it feels like we're not going to do it, and I can't figure out why. And she said, I got the exact same thing, but she goes, I've never had that before. I said, well, me neither. I said, we got an awful lot of tickets booked not to go somewhere. I mean, we were all, we were, we were going to be, you know, of course, back in England, Germany, Armenia, Iceland, Norway, Slovakia, all on a trip for, you know, quite a while. And uh, so that's a lot of tickets. And so sure enough, you know, we, after, you know, we got back and we're just getting ready to leave, like in a couple of days, that's when they shut down all the airlines. But 
when we were driving back uh, from Arizona, somewhere probably in northern New Mexico, it was quiet in the car, and uh, I heard something. I heard a, a phrase. And I looked over at Michelle to see if she heard it too. And she was still reading and didn't look, so I figured, well, she hadn't heard it. And, and what I heard was just driving along, and it, it was audible to me. And, you know, I don't like to brag about audible because when you hear something audible, that means you probably aren't paying attention. So <laughs> it's like when you have to yell at a kid when they're running toward the street, right? It's, you raise your voice for a reason. So whether I wasn't paying attention or sometimes it's when something difficult is coming, God will speak in a little stronger way so you have that anchor. And uh, so all, it was very short and simple, and all I heard was so in time of famine. And that's when I looked over at Michelle like to see if she'd heard it. Well, she didn't, so I didn't say anything right away. And I didn't feel like it was going to be our famine, but it was going to be other people's famine. And again, that was just me interpreting what I, what I heard. You know, God's funny that way sometimes. You're like, that's all you're going to say about that? You know, you could give me a little more information, and this would make it a lot easier. Uh, so I, I mentioned it to Michelle, and I said, whatever that means, I said, let's keep our eyes and our ears open for people in need. And there was a lot of people in need this last year, and we sowed more than we probably ever sowed personally and ministerially in our life. And it was in a time when you think, well, what's going to happen with everything else? But that was the word of the Lord to us. And he was extending his reach into our life and to other people with his words. That word was a way for him to extend his reach to many other people. And we chose to follow that, not withdraw from it. And everywhere we could, when you know restaurants were kind of closed for a while, when restaurants opened back up, we, saw, we gave 50 and sometimes 100% tip to the, way, the, the servers because they didn't have as much business. It was just another place we could sow. And we just were looking for everywhere we could sow because that was God extending his reach through us with a word that he, that he had given us. So I also know this, though, which I know that whenever you hear something like that or get a stronger voice of the Holy Spirit on the inside, it's, it's really wise to pay attention to it because the return is usually phenomenal, <laughs> right? There's, there's our regular tithes and offerings, which is just God working through us on a regular basis. It keeps everything going. But when he gives you a special word about something sometimes, do it. It is the wisdom of God, and he's trying to help you to help others. It always pays great dividends. So, no matter the circumstances externally or whatever restrictions we face, we have control of ourselves, and that's something worth celebrating, right? No matter what there is to complain about, there are a lot of things to celebrate. If we aren't happy with the results we're getting, let's step back, take a look, reevaluate our actions, and make a change, right? I don't, I've had to correct myself more times than I would like to tell you about. And even with my words. You know, I, I hate complaining. And, and if I find myself doing it, I hate it more than any other time. Uh, so then you, you, Lord, I repent. That's not the words I want out there. This is what I, I want. This is what I see. This is what should be said about that. And I'm going to cancel those other words out. And get back on the right place with it. And, and use your voice in the right way. Proverbs chapter 18. You know these verses. It, it's Proverbs 18, 21. 
He says, death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. You, you all know that verse probably. Is that a good verse or what? I mean, I, every time I read it, I just go, wow. Think of the truth in there. It, it's, it's an amazing, it's a statement, it's a fact, it's a choice all inside there. The death and life are in the power of the tongue. And he says, and those who love it will eat its fruit. There's fruit, isn't there? It's like, um, I kind of like it, it, it along with this verse in Psalm 119, verse 165, which these guys don't have. I didn't give that to them. This is just, it, uh, it said, great peace have those who love thy law or his word, and nothing shall cause them to stumble or be offended. So every time, and I can't tell you how many years that I've been, I've been tempted to be offended. I, you know, I say this out loud. I say, Lord, I choose to love your word more than I want to love an offense. You know what that does? That I, can, I can have great peace then. Not just peace, but great peace. Because we choose to love his word over anything else. And if we choose to speak his word, there is a fruit that is there for us that we won't have otherwise. So it's an amazing verse. It takes faith to walk in that, doesn't it? Because you don't feel like saying all the right things and speaking in all the right directions all the time. That goes against feelings. It goes against circumstances. But it goes with the word. 1 Peter 3.10. It's another wow verse, I think. This is out of New King James. He who would love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil and lips from speaking deceit. Hmm. Well, I don't know about you. I want to see good days. <laughs> I don't want the other kind. I mean, we live in a fallen world. It's pretty easy to see the other kind if you just, if you coast. So don't, let's not coast. Let's if we want to love life and see good days, let's refrain our tongue from evil. What is evil? Well, like the 12 spies, it was simply agreeing with the circumstances. You ever done that? I have. Again, not that I'm proud of, but it's happened. And then you got to correct yourself again. Lord, sorry. That's, that's against your word. So it's, uh, we can have good days. Mark chapter 11. Verse 22 and 23 says, So Jesus answered and said to them, Have faith in God, or the God kind of faith. For assuredly I say to you, whoever says this mountain, Be thou removed and be cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe those things which he saith shall come to pass, he will have whatsoever he saith. You ever heard that verse before? Probably a few times. And it's still true. We can have what we say if we believe it. Right? A simple definition of faith is what we believe in our heart and speak with our mouth. And it makes a difference. Faith has a voice. Prayer has a voice. Have a moment of silent prayer. Well, we can do that, but it's better if we have a, a moment of where we have a speaking prayer. Right? We get it out loud. Get it out into the atmosphere where it needs to go. Is, you know, again, how do we hear the, the voice of faith? Well, a, a good place is to hear the word coming out of your mouth, right? 
it's, uh, there's probably no better place to hear the word than coming out of your own mouth. Just repeating it, speaking it, reading it. You've heard it. Like I said, this is a reminder message. Romans 10, 17, you know that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Why have you heard the whole time you've been in this church to get in the word, stay in the word? Because there's a reason for it. Why God placed your pastors here to continually remind you of where your source is. People often get concerned about if they're believing or not. Okay, we all get that, right? You ever wondered, well, am I really in faith or not? Well, I don't know. I can't tell you if you are or you aren't. But I can tell you this, whether it's a confession unto faith or a confession of faith, they're both good. Don't get worried about which it is. Just keep doing it. It'll work itself out as you go along. Right? We don't have to get too, too excited about that one. So I think we can look at it this way. I say we are built by words. He said that Jesus said, I will build my church. And we are built by words. Our prayer life is built with words. The world we frame and live in is built with words. And we can extend our reach with our words. So it's always a good time to build with our mouth by getting it speaking in the right direction. So if there's something, you know, been going on in your life where maybe your words haven't been going in the right direction, this would be a good time to adjust that, wouldn't it? When I got saved and then spirit-filled, there were a lot of things I needed to learn and a lot of things I needed to change. One or two things were uh, I needed to stop talking a certain way and I needed to start talking a certain way. It was probably more difficult to learn to talk the right way than to stop talking the wrong way. And, uh, you know, I was naturally a quiet person. So if you're naturally a quiet person, then speaking words out even by yourself was odd. <laughs> but it was necessary. We used to use the little three-by-five cards. This is obviously before computers. And uh, we didn't have uh, cell phones with us. So, you know, you had those little three-by-five cards plastered everywhere. You know, on the way into the bathroom, on the way out of the bathroom. Slap the card, make the confession. I still have one. I, I did a, you know, regular sheet of paper when going into the house from the garage. You know, where I just have a, some things that I say on there, and you know, that this house is finished, furnished, and free of debt, and just boom, slap that thing when I go in the house and say it. So it's... Um, you know, you can do it in all sorts of ways, but just make sure we're doing it somehow, right? I'm running out of time, way before I'm running out of notes. Um, when I was writing one of the, uh, the, there's a lady that does all of our accounting in, in, in Germany, and uh, she wrote me the other day, and she said this, and I, don't, I didn't even remember it, but she said, uh, you said that in prayer, when it comes to finances, you stretch your voice as far as possible. Well, that's true. I, I think I do. And had to, and, and we've done that for years. I mean, you know, every new endeavor you, you reach out into or stretch out into, it takes money, doesn't it? And not everybody, especially in that part of the world, is excited about what you're doing. You got maybe 4% of the population that's even born again and a small percentage of that that isn't against you, uh, that, that might be interested. 
So you're, you're really stretching out your faith with your words as far as possible. God has ways to get it to you, but give him the best avenue by building a road with your words, right? Whatever it is. But so I would encourage you, stretch your voice out as far as possible. Extend it where finances are concerned, where health is concerned, where your family's concerned. Extend that out there as far as possible. Um, for believers, our voice and our words carry authority, don't they? That was the other, that was what verse 19 in Matthew 16 talked about. You know, he said, as soon as he gave them, uh, he said that I'll build my church. The next thing he did was give them the authority to do it. You have the keys of the king. Whatever you allow or, or don't allow, that's what will happen. So we have authority. And um, I think the last thing I'll put up here then is that it isn't just the freedom to use our voice, but the responsibility to use our voice. No matter what it's for. A silent Christian doesn't use their authority and the world will trample the silent. The world is trying to walk over you. Don't let them, but you got to use your voice. And the believer's authority is most often expressed through words. So use the authority that you've been given as a believer, as a part of the church on the earth, and use it in every way you can to extend your reach. Because you can touch people today that you could never touch before. I'll finish with this. And in, you know, in, in James chapter 2, several times, you know, he says that faith without works is dead. And he's, he's speaking to a group of people who just came out of a works-based religion. And they're thinking, they're, they're probably going, are you kidding me? Now you're going to talk about works again? We just got out of that. But so he talks about faith without works is dead. But, but he goes on to chapter 3 where he's talking about the tongue. And he says, you know, that and he compares the tongue to the rudder of a ship and uh, uh, lighting a small fire in a forest and what it can do. And he says that the tongue, if tamed, can tame the whole person. He said it's the mature man that can tame the tongue. So I think what James was saying there partially was the greatest outworking of our faith is the words of our mouth. That that's one of the messages he was trying to get to the people he was writing. Faith without works is dead. What you believe, you must say. That is with the greatest. It's not the only outworking, but it is, the, is probably the greatest and most prevalent outworking of our faith is the words of our mouth. So my encouragement for you today, your, your action item for the week is make a list. What are some things I need to talk more about? Now, some of you probably don't need to talk more about anything. Maybe some things, but less about others. But maybe many of us, we need to talk more about certain things. Get our voice out there. Extend our reach with our voice about some people, about some things that God wants to do. Speak to this community, right? Extend your reach out there. You know, the, the government, I hope we didn't give up praying for our government just because of the election. If there was ever a time to pray, it certainly is now again, right? So let's keep that going. Let's extend our reach all the way to Washington, D.C. and inside the White House. Let's use that. Amen? Well, like I said, that's a reminder. I had way more in there. I should have probably done a part two. But uh, I am going to, let's pray and then I'll turn it back over to Pastor.
Father, again, we thank you for our time here today. I bless this congregation, this church, and all you're doing here in this area. Father, we love you, and we thank you for your word. And Father, we, as we extend our reach with our voice, and every other way that we can extend our reach, Father, thank you for leading and guiding us like you always do, so that we touch the right people, speak about the right ones. There are so many lives out there that need to be changed yet, Father, and we know that we are your vessels to do that. Whether we see the people or not, we can speak into the, into the spirit realm and use our voice to reach those people. So, Father, we thank you for that, and we, we bless you in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you very much, Pastor Mark. Praise the Lord. Thank you, John. Praise the Lord. Maybe you received something out of that. And I'll tell you, that's uh, no matter what, to be reminded of our voice is such a powerful, powerful thing that uh, we need to store in our heart. You know, I, I, we did, you know, through last year, had to stop at some point and say, watch what we say. And probably one of the easiest ways to get conformed to the world is through words. We're hearing what the world is saying on a regular basis, and it's easy to just get into that flow, but we have to remind ourselves to say what God has said about situations. And uh, I like what he said about that road. Just when he said that about that road, I was reminded, you know, Pastor Mark Hankins, he says, confession is the highway by which faith brings its mighty cargo, right? So one way, you're always building something. Mark Brzee says, you know, uh, prayer processes the plan of God. It lays out track ahead. And so our voice in prayer. And so well, we can always be looking, but it creates a road. Our words create a road wherever we want to go. When we're praying for people, those words, it creates a road for God to move into their life. Sometimes it creates an avenue for you to move into people's lives. We try to move into their lives first just by getting into their life. But so many times when we want to see a change, if we begin by praying and speaking the word of God over their life and into their life and clear into government, but it, it creates a road not just by which faith brings into your life, but your words lay out a track or a road uh, for you to walk on and to pursue God. And so our words really precede us in where we're going, especially from the spiritual sense. And so when we begin to understand, again, how powerful those words are that we speak, whether it's about our finances, whether it's about our health, whether it's about people in our lives, whether it's about people we don't even know, people in our community speaking that in, all the things that John just reminded us of, that it really extends your reach and to see how far our words go and to understand how powerful they are where you started with Matthew and the centurion, just speak the word. You don't have to be in a place when you understand the power of words. And so what we're speaking about situations, what we're speaking about our city, what we're speaking about our loved ones, what we're speaking about financial situations, what we need, uh, getting that word on the inside, speaking the word, that word has such a dynamic power in it. You know, when we think about the Word of God, we're not just speaking words out of emotion. When we speak out of faith in our heart, that Word always contains power. Amen? Praise the Lord. Well, uh, if we were taught the Word, you said you were taught the Word, right? How many of you were taught the Word? The Bible tells us that if we're taught the Word,